Okay, so this is it. This is episode one, the inaugural episode of Desert League. This is Ward Andrews here with Sean Fitzpatrick. Hey, Sean. Hey, how's it going, Wardo? Doing great. Doing great this morning. So, Sean, let's just jump right into it. It's been a crazy week. Week Arizona sports. Uh, as everyone will know as they listen, we may have a little bias for the Arizona Wildcats and other teams. But we do cover all Arizona sports, and we're going to start with the Phoenix Suns because Nike and the Suns, they got together, and I don't know what happened, but somebody found an old Rockets Adobe Illustrator file. They cloned the type over. They typed Phoenix, slapped it on a jersey, and now we've got this purple jersey with old Rockets type. It's like Clyde Drexler, Hakeem, maybe a fat (laughs) Charles Barkley. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Have you seen these things, Sean? Well, it's funny when uh, when we were starting this uh, this podcast, I was uh, I was trying to watch an overview from Sports Illustrated of uh, all the new. Uh, apparently, all the jerseys are new because of the contract with Nike uh, switching from Adidas, yeah. and so there are some in- there are some interesting parts, but. What's what's most interesting to me is, and I, I don't know if this is going to do it, but this this may actually get captured here. <laughs> so I, I think that kind of sums it up for me is that right before you watch the video of the the NBA jerseys being introduced, you have to sit through an oil of Olay eye cream uh, commercial, but um, <laughs> perfect. Super relevant, super relevant. <laughs> yeah, of an ad there. Exactly, and and that's that's about as relevant as I think the you know all all these things are just for cosmetics and you know you can get a bunch of jerseys sold. But I will say, <laughs> well, for, first of all, first of all, I I actually was. Uh, you mentioned our biases. I'm I'm going to reveal my bias, of course, and you've known this that I am a huge San Antonio Spurs fan after growing up in Texas and living in San Antonio. So, um, you know, no, no offense intended, but I, when I saw the new Suns jerseys, you know, it's, it's been so long since the Suns have been in the postseason when people are really paying attention that, that, that that I'd actually forgotten what the Suns jerseys look like. So I, I thought that that was basically just the same Jersey they always had. So, um, But you're killing me, son. But I, <laughs> but I do I do appreciate that Rockets shout out because I was a Rockets fan growing up in Texas, and and I'll say one one other thing is at, at first I was really down on this whole okay New Jersey it's just a gimmick, but there are a couple things that Nike's doing that that are kind of interesting to me, which is the fact that you know for the first time all of the all of the jerseys are going to be made of recycled material, so. It's nice to yep. know that the NBA, the NBA and Nike are not climate deniers, so that's good. Uh, true, true. And, you know, there's some symbolism there. We're recycling now, what, seven years of no playoffs. So we're sticking <laughs> with the theme here. <laughs> that's yeah. a good. That's that's a good comeback. In fact, yeah. the last time the last time we got to enjoy that rivalry was uh, was when we uh, went and saw the the Spurs and the Suns in a playoff game at. Uh, you know, up up there in Phoenix, but uh, yeah, that was like but, two arena names ago, I think, or maybe one. I can't <laughs> remember. I do remember that game. But, I, I do remember that. 
You know, but the I, thing I, I worry I, about, though, you know, Pop, that dude is one step away from the crypt. Like, how, how, much longer, <laughs> how much longer are your Spurs going to be able to, to keep this? I mean, you guys have done everything from, you know, have a dirty ref to have a shortened season. You find all kinds of ways to, to hang banners with asterisks in the arena in San Antonio. Well, I mean, what's the next I, rabbit you guys are going to pull out of the hat for this? Well, I'm going to deflect to Golden State and, uh, you know, a very dirty <laughs> tactic of taking out Kawhi Leonard's ankle. And I don't want to Here hear about uh, – Here we go. <laughs> but but, but it, through my sources in San Antonio, and as you know, I used to um, manage the website for the San Antonio Express News. And one of the perks we had is we got to, to play um, two games a year in the Alamo Dome. Uh, with referees and you know the Spurs would like accommodate and make referees available and stuff like that and it would be the marketing department versus the sports department so I've still got some some contacts out there in San Antonio and on your Popovich question I've heard that they're actually working to make that technology in uh, Futurama come to life where they're going to actually uh, (laughs) save Popovich's head and his brain and they're going to keep it on life support. That's actually written down, and uh, and yeah, that's going to wow. guarantee us uh, a long future of uh, championships with asterisks. Okay, okay. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see. <laughs> we'll see. But but that, yeah, I mean, certainly but there's that, more brain power over there right now than there is in the Suns front office. Sarver chased all the brain power away. They all handed up in Golden State, and there's banners. So you know you got Rick. Yeah. Ross, you got you know you got. Steve Kerr, the Steve Kerr, uh, you know, you got championship level thinking that we're in the Suns' office now. They're gone. I mean, you even got you even got the Clangelos now in Philly. Philly's gonna be better than the Suns this year. This is just classic Sarver, but I don't want to dive too deep, or we'll we'll burn the whole podcast down. With that. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, to to your point, and and going back to the the design um, aspect of things. You know, because there have been some truly horrendous uh, uniform designs rolled out by Nike and by other brands. And that, what comes to mind to me are the Oregon Ducks, you know, uh, college football <laughs> unis that they've had. I think, I think one year when, when the Wildcats beat them, uh, it, was, it was just ridiculous. It was, I think, the bright yellow ones. But you obviously you have experience designing the Phoenix Suns court yeah and you know and the intro montage so i'm i'm interested on your thoughts about you know what it, it does it does seem like it's it's pretty much a throwback and they've got names for it like the association version and the yeah, uh, i can't I remember what that. the other yeah. so so what what's your take on on the design approach and and why is it important beyond just jersey sales yeah sure so first off I have to give Nike a ton of credit. Usually, historically, they've done the best jersey design in the world. And so I need to give them credit for that. I remember when the first uh, set of MLS, uh, Major League Soccer jerseys, came out and the quality of the illustration, the design, the typography, the colorways, it was incredible. Uh, I've seen them do some amazing things with Oregon. There are many combinations I think are amazing. But, you know, the great thing about Nike and Oregon, they're in bed together, and it, it, it's basically an experiment. It's a laboratory, so you're going to have some crap that pops out, too. And they've had some truly terrible 
combinations that have come out, you know. But but they also it seems like they have a new jersey every uh, every game, which I'm sure is a great recruiting tool for those that are fashionably inclined and athletic. Uh, but it also helps me remember some great games. I remember one of the Arizona Oregon games at Oregon, Arizona battling it out. That's the famous one where Scooby strips the ball at the end to win the game. Yeah. And one of the key moments, and, and Oregon was wearing a pink. Uh, uniform uh, for oh, that's I, right. I believe breast cancer awareness, but the famous scene where uh, where that Oregon player goes and dances and shakes shakes it at the uh, at half half court if it were basketball you know at midfield and just uh, gets a 15 yard penalty you know Pac 12 refs you know they're gonna they're gonna get you for that and uh, and that really turned the game in many ways was when he he had that little dance off. Uh, at midfield. So uh, I like the jerseys with Oregon because they always have them different, and I can remember games based on which jersey they were wearing. Pretty cool, pretty cool. So, and, uh, and Nike and Tinker Hatfield, amazing designer. Uh, one of his most experimental things, one of the only things I don't like that Tinker's design is he designed that court um, mm. for Nike that, you know, in the woods. Uh, oh, know, yeah, that is hard to watch. I mean, I'm I'm just talking as a fan. It's hard to watch the game. I, I can't even see the ball sometimes. Uh, in the woods, well, it's hard to they, watch. Yeah. And they had to tone that down because I think the the original uh, version was even brighter and more in your face. And and I think the players right. were actually having a hard time playing on the court, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. And so basketball court design 101. A lot of things you have to remember is what's the tone of that wood stain and when you put lights on it and then when you record it on TV, things happen with the colors. So for example, you had mentioned that I'd worked on that sun's court uh, a while back and, uh, and the, we had orange type that said suns.com in the uh, upper right corner and uh, of that court, if you were looking at it kind of on TV and it was unreadable, mm-hmm. and so um, people were like, oh, let's just let's throw a purple stroke around it. Let's throw a purple outline around it. Like, nope, like, that's going to make it even less readable. So we flipped it to all purple, and then there was a higher contrast on the court there, and uh, it popped out. But what's funny is if you go back in and look at the old EA Sports, or I can't remember, there was one of the NBA games. They got the original art file, and they still have the old orangesuns.com in that corner. You can't even read it. So you just have to remember, as a court designer, everything needs to be high contrast. And uh, and anyway, I'm not going to go. We could spend a whole other podcast if people are interested in uh, in the woods and what Nike's done. But I agree, they need to tone it back a little bit. It's an interesting concept. It could be disorienting. It certainly is for the user. I don't know about a player. So. Yeah. Well, let me let me throw that purple comment back at you because at the opening of the podcast, you were you were talking about you know, the all purple on the Suns jersey. If it's uh if it's good enough for the court, uh is that is that not good enough for the jersey? Dude, I love the purple. I actually like the shade of purple because the shade they chose, which is one of the good moves they made, reminds me of kind of the old school. I mean I, every time I see that shade of purple with that bright of an orange, it reminds me of like Kevin Johnson penetrating the lane and one you know, Kevin Johnson going baseline, dunking on Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, those are the things I, I think about, you know, like with that classic well, and, purple. But uh, I'm just the typography. Yeah. 
And, uh, and now this yeah. is turning into a design podcast, which, uh, which might alienate our one or two listeners <laughs> that we might have. Uh, we should probably move on. But that type is straight up Power Rangers. It's just not – it doesn't fit. We're not superheroes. We're not robots from Japan. We are the Phoenix Suns, right? And, uh, <laughs> well, and here, that's the youth movement. But, uh, and Devin Booker's going to get his 70, but he doesn't need to look like a toy when he does it. It's just not <laughs> Well, and here, I'll, here I'll, I'll say one last thing before we move on from the design portion of the podcast, one brief thing, because I think you made a really good point that if it can invoke the old Kevin Johnson or Charles Barkley days, I do remember as a – you know, young college student, very young, I'll emphasize, in the Arizona Daily Star sports room, uh, in the Arizona Daily Star newsroom, after um, Phoenix beat San Antonio in the playoffs, I contributed one of the best headlines that I've ever had, and this was uh, back in the old Larry Bird um, uh, Nike commercial days when they're, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird are, are calling shots. And the, the headline was, uh, over the Admiral, nothing but net. So if, <laughs> if, the, jer- if the jerseys evoke that sentiment, then yep. that might be a good positive. So Amen. to your point, Amen. maybe so we should move back, on. Harkening back is good. We don't want to harken back to the overweight, broken Charles Barkley in a Rockets uniform. <laughs> That's the problem. Right? I love Chuck. I love him even though he bashes the Suns, which is appropriate considering the Sarva, Sarva regime. But it's just not appropriate to remember Charles in this weird toy 3D type with a spaceship flying through the letters. I don't want to remember that. So, okay, we're done. So are, 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 you, are you saying they, over, they overshot the time machine and went back to, to real old Charles Barkley instead of his prime? You know, Charles in his prime – is in a Suns uniform. And the best part about the Suns uniform, the new Nike uniform, they got the shorts right. Like, I will buy the shorts. The shorts are right. They have elements of that Barkley-era angular shapes and colors, and that, that's cool, but they still have the sun burst, which has been before and after that. Um, like, they got the shorts right. It's just let me redesign the type on that jersey, and we'll be done. Right, but anyway, well, we're so- moving on. We're moving. Okay. We move on. So, so okay. let, let's stick with basketball, and, and let's go to the let's go to the franchise. Let's go to the let's go to the organization, the basketball organization within the state of Arizona that probably has had the most NBA talent in the state, which would be the uh, University of Arizona Wildcats. Sean Miller. You know, they they came back. They won the Pac-12 regular season they won the pac 12 tournament the empire strikes back they're on top and now miller is probably going to roll out his best recruiting class and this guy knows how to recruit roll out his best recruiting class of all time he's got like the number one guy he's got other guys i mean he's got you know corona del sol tempe arizona right in the sun devil's backyard they pick up alex barcelo you know, a guy who's won state championships, he's a gamer, he's a great shooter, he's learning to be a great facilitator. He may be the worst guy on the team, and that guy's a rock star, right? Plus, he sucked <laughs> him away from, from Tempe. But you've got this guy, and I'm just going to play the quote 
because I think, you know, Miller doesn't say stuff he doesn't believe. I, I'm just going to play the quote that he's saying about his top guy right now. All right. I have never seen anybody like him at his age. I don't think I will again. It's just because he's so physically imposing. You know, he's right now he's a little over seven feet tall. He uh, is now over 260 pounds. You know, he's he's as strong and as gifted running for somebody that size that I that I've worked with. And uh, and he loves the game. He competes. You know, he really he really competes and uh, loves to win. So. You know, with him and and I think his size, knowing what Lowry meant to us, losing Lowry, uh, I think it's it's nice to have DeAndre here. But the other okay, so so so, uh, so about the other freshmen, but DeAndre Ayton. I mean, what do you think, Sean? Have you looked into this guy? Do you know what's coming? Uh, Lowry, who? Oh, do we have? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it no, when seriously. you who our next number one uh, NBA draft pick is going to be. That's good. <laughs> no, so DeAndre Ayton. No, no, yeah, no. I've I've been I've been uh, studying up on DeAndre, and and that's why I'm saying Laurie. Who? It's like I I I really think he's gonna he's gonna make us forget that. Uh, you know, and, hey. You know, we we don't forget our Wildcats, but but we have to. It's like they move on from us, and we've got to move on from them. You know, it can't be a it can't be a bad relationship. But um, the but DeAndre, I mean, if his if his outside touch is, you know, you're just seeing this this move more and more to a LeBron James type of type of thing, where you've got these big guys who have you know shooting ability, who have point guard ability, and and just what they can do and just the opportunities he could create because for all the hype for Laurie and Laurie's going to be great. He just never really matured the way that potential was. And for Sean Miller, like you said, master recruiter, you know, knows potential, knows how to, to develop it for him to say that he's never seen somebody like this and you probably never will. And the guy's over seven foot. I mean, think of all the things you can do within a, within a, a playbook, you know, with, yep. I mean, within a, you know, play scheme oh i agree you know so here's the concern the concern is it's the um it's the shaquille o'neal factor and and we'll get to the fact that shaq's kid is going to play for arizona next year which is awesome but someday yeah yeah, you know what's interesting is sean miller also said quote unquote he's just so physically imposing so when you look at last year and you look at how Arizona in the Pac-12 in almost every game in the second half of the season just started pulling away in games. I mean, they were pulling away where it was going to be 20 and 30 point blowouts. And magically, those games were like 5, 10, 15 point games because the officials just kept it close. And I know that's, you know, oh, here we go, conspiracy theory, Arizona. But look, they were throttling those games to keep them semi-interesting. In, that, in one of the Arizona, I think it was in that Pac-12 tournament game, final UCLA-Arizona, I mean, Arizona had it rolling, and the refs kept it close for most of that game for TV, right? So imagine deploying this guy in the middle, seven foot to what, 220, 260? He's going to dominate so bad, they're just going to start calling fouls on him. They are. Well, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that I share the, the referee conspiracy theory as much. Although, you know, 
I, I, there are definitely individual calls that that can affect the game that sometimes I, you know, see, you know, have that impact. And I think, you know, for, for years I was, I was sitting on, you know, press row at U of A games on the stack crew and, and, you know, kind of watching those things up close. And I think in, in general, the officials are, you know, are, are fairly even handed, although you can definitely see the home, you know, the home court bias, that's just human nature. But to your point about his size and what, what could happen, what I would worry about a little bit is his long-term health because what I do see occur, and you see this with LeBron, you see complaints like these big guys or Shaquille, you know, with, with Shaq, it's, it's that the only way to stop him is to just hit him hard. Or, and, and because he's so big, you know, it does, it's not as noticeable, the wear and tear that you're getting. And, you know, and he's so strong and he can get through it. So, you know, and, and, and you see that where it just, it just wears on guys and, and you have no choice, but you get in. I mean, Hackashack obviously was a different kind of mentality, which wasn't, you know, hurting him. It was more make him, you know, shoot from, you know, 10, 12 feet away. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's the only thing I worry about with somebody that big is that people just start to grab you and hold on because they don't know what else to do. Yeah, I agree. You know, the good thing is, Aton's coming in with the body of a senior more than a freshman. And that's great right. because we need freshmen that are ready to go in this one-and-done era, and he's ready to go. So let's just hope yeah. that he's so much more developed and so quick that it just doesn't matter. Like, he's just going to dominate, and that's fine. Now, the great thing is Miller's system isn't one to have an individual player dominate, and certainly when you've got Alonzo Trier – when you've got exactly. uh, Savage Life, Raleigh Alkins, when you've got other guys, <laughs> I mean, they're going to have some running room if everybody's trying to key on uh, Aton in the middle. It's going to be interesting. Well, and I love, you know, and I, and I love the fact, and, and this goes to kind of the team chemistry, and, and maybe we can uh, mention a little bit, you know, the fact that, you know, the team's going over to Spain and playing some games, and they're working yeah, on it. On that on that team chemistry, but it, it says a lot when you've got, you know, when you've got a highly rated kid coming in at point guard, even though you know we've already got, you know, we're already set at point guard, and he's like, that's okay, you know, there's a, there's enough ball to go around. I don't I don't have to be at point guard. I can be you know over here, and and the feeling that everybody has a place on the team, you know, yep. is is just remarkable because <laughs> you're only talking about, you know, five five uh, positions at a time on the floor. And yep. so not, there's not a huge number of people getting playing time. <laughs> no, there's not. And, you know, really you've mentioned point guard. I mean, Arizona historically has been called, you know, quote unquote point guard. You, you look back and clearly I was the case, Damon Stoudemire, Jason Terry, Mike Bibby, the list goes on and on. But uh, Sean Miller next season, not this season, unfortunately, but next season has two five-star point guards coming in and uh and he's recruit he wanted to recruit too and so i think he's finally making sure he shores up that point guard position because this year if they're really in my mind if there's any weakness to the arizona wildcats in the 2017-2018 team it is at point guard we do have a senior in pjc uh parker jackson mm-hmm. Cartwright. he's going to be good he's going to probably be the best he's ever been as a wildcat but he is just small and he can be intimidated on the court. And he and last year was great. He had the fire. When people bumped him, 
when people did things, he fought back. He, he got in their face. He did all he could do at his stature. But it's still the weakness. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how Sean Miller deals with that and who's really handling and distributing the ball. And, and is our, Alex Parcello going to get to do that a little bit more? But he's, he's just a freshman at a, that's just starting out. So it should be PG, PJC's show to run. And if he can be a great point guard, an all-conference point guard, Arizona should be in the final four. Well, yeah, and that's and I mean, and the the difficulty in looking anywhere beyond the current season is you've got this whole situation where you've got okay, so you've got the maximum thirteen basketball scholarships, and that that's not even a problem anymore for for Division One teams, especially the elite teams, because you know you're losing guys after one year, after two years, and and Sean Miller, you know, has said that hey. You know, it's just a fact of life. I've got to constantly be recruiting, and I've got to be, you know, offering positions that I don't have, you know, to kids with the expectation that that position's going to come open. And it's just, I mean, it, you know, it's like it's like you're managing the McDonald's or the or the Wendy's or whatever, and you know that every week you're <laughs> going to have to hire a new shift. You know, <laughs> like oh, how do you how do you focus on the on the big picture? You know, because <laughs> that's Absolutely. all you're doing is you're recruiting. <laughs> yep, and Miller's a great one. You know, Miller's the uh, Lauren Michaels. You know, uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Saturday Night Live. You always got A-list comedians that go on to do big things. And you know a, a John Calipari or a Sean Miller, um, they're just they're just lining these guys up for the next show. So it's, yeah, it's and I th- they do a great job. Sean Miller is an amazing recruiter. Yeah, and he I mean he has obviously Lute Olson to thank for building the reputation, but you know big Absolutely. credit to Sean Miller is he's he's continued that brand. You know that brand that if you if you come to the University of Arizona you're going to get your best shot, you know, to play at the next level. And, you know, what I like about Sean Miller, too, is is the character that he really imbues in the program. Um, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, he stands by his guys. And, and you just look at, um, you know, Ray Smith, who, who had to retire after his, you know, yeah. after his third uh, injury. Yeah, yeah, after his third ACL, the fact that he's going to be with the team, he's you know he's making the trip to Spain, he's going to be a part of the team, and he's going to bring a lot. I think when when you have a recruit come in, and you know, and and you have a, you know, you have a conversation with a guy who never played you know a minute of Arizona basketball, and you see the commitment that the program has made to this kid, you know, because. I know when when you're 18 years old you're indestructible, but it's got to be reassuring to know, hey, if I if I really put myself into this, you know, they're going to have my back. Yep, absolutely. You know that is just a testament to Sean Miller, a player's program. Uh, Ray Smith. I mean, just the feeling and the look on Miller's face when he had to talk about Ray Smith retiring, and just uh, just the the true love and respect he had for. For Ray, I just uh, I, I love Sean Miller. I think he loves the players. Yeah, you know, I just remember back to the famous uh, "Who touched the ball?" He touched the ball. <laughs> yeah. That whole yeah. thing. And you know what Miller was most upset about? That it was Solomon Hill's last Pac-12 tournament game, and he wasn't going to go out on top because of a bad call. 
You know, that's what Miller was really mad about. If you go back and you watch that on YouTube, you know, if you, if you, if you Google Sean Miller, you know, he touched the ball. If you Google that and watch the YouTube <laughs> video, Miller is most upset about the fact that Solomon Hill wasn't going to get his due. I think Miller also knew that there was a, a bounty out for his, for him to get it thrown out, but that's a whole other story, and we, we'll go on some other time around that. Uh, so last time yeah. on Arizona basketball, though, just because we do want to move on to some other things, although we could probably talk about Arizona basketball exclusively. Um, oh, sure. They're, play, they're playing in Spain. They have a game tomorrow, and there is a website that's streaming those games. So <laughs> I was going to ask you, are you paying the 30 bucks to watch Arizona play against <laughs> a, a bunch of ragtag? Yeah, I wanted to let everybody know if you go to flowhoops, F-L-O-hoops.com, they have a uh, – you can pay for one month of their subscription, 30 bucks. You're going to be able to see the three games. Uh, Arizona has a game tomorrow. I think it's 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, and they're going to be live streaming that. It looks like if you sign up for Flow Hoops but don't actually pay, you, I think you might get access to the first game just by being, like, a registered member, and then the second two you'd have to pay. So I'm not sure about that. It was a little confusing on the site. But uh, at least there's an option. So yeah. So, well, I yeah, think. So, it, go ahead. Well, and I was gonna say I think I think it's smart that you know people are, are taking advantage of because there is such a heavy level of interest in, um, you know, kind of non out of you know these out of season games because it it provides a diversion. Uh, when I was when I was in charge of the University of Arizona Athletics Department website, I was always lobbying for. Um, us to to stream the um, the summer league basketball games in in Tucson. Uh, the problem is is we could, we couldn't we couldn't get permission to do it because there were some non uh, you know NCAA or there were some uh, eligible NCAA players uh, who you know hadn't signed that it would have made it an NCAA violation. So I think this has become the norm and. You know, it should be it should be interesting just to at least see how our guys move as a team, you know, against other people. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's switch gears. We need to give some Sun Devil airtime here. Um, yeah, so really, we do. We need to give a little <laughs> Sun Devil airtime. So, I mean, Bobby Hurley's got his guys in Rome. I, I don't know if they. They were in Italy. I don't know if they played a game, but they've got some good tourist pictures. I saw. On Twitter, they had one where they're they're hanging out at the Vatican. It looks like, um, you know, what what's your take on uh, on Bobby Hurley and where he's taking the uh, the Sun Devil Hoopsters? Well, and you know, obviously diehard Wildcat, you know, fan alum alumnus, and you know, all that. Having worked at the department, you know, I I want Bobby Hurley to do well. I mean, because he he would be fantastic for the the in-state rivalry and and i think he's he has things headed in the right direction you know he brings a maturity and an intensity and and a drive you know maybe that the, uh, the sun devils haven't had and, and we really need you know, we, we, hey i i want to see i want to see uh bank commercials of Sean Miller poking fun at Bobby Hurley, you know, like the old Lute Olson, Bill Frieder ones. It's like, it's, it's good for the state. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to actually 
be excited when Arizona plays ASU in, in basketball and, and not just be, you know, because the biggest thing is I, I hate feeling sorry for the Sun Devils. I, I like, yeah. you know, having that <laughs> kind of that, that rivalry, that anger, that intensity. And it's like, it's, it's no good when you feel, when you just feel sorry for your, for your rival. I agree. When it's a beat down every time, when, uh, when Wells Fargo Arena is essentially McHale North, it's just it's kind of embarrassing. So I would love to see them improve as well. I do think he's generally got them in the right going in the right direction. They've got the right mindset. The schedule they have this year implies that they want to get better. They want to compete against great teams. Uh, I was looking at their schedule, and you know they're they're going to that um, the Continental Tire Invitational in Vegas. Xavier's going to be there. Uh, you know, Kansas State, Xavier, George Washington, and Vegas. But then, uh, you know, they're going to play St. John's in L.A. They're going to visit Kansas. They've got a home-and-home home with Kansas. That's that's legit. Um, that's huge. Home against, yeah, they got a home against Vanderbilt. So that's just the first two months of the season, November, December. They're going to they're gonna take on some tough games. And, uh, I mean, they went into Kentucky last year, right? So I think, I think he's doing it the right way. And I hope to see – I hope to see the Sun Devils improve, so we have more to talk about. Yeah, and he and he, well, and he really what he brings to the program is, um, you know, history and a pedigree from when he was, you know, with Mike Shashevsky at Duke, because he knows from a player's perspective what it feels like to be in a champion, you know, championship program. Like what what the day to day feel is like, what the preparation is like what the games are, you know, the, the level of the games that you have to be playing. So I think one of the things that can be a huge advantage from a coaching perspective is when you, when you know where the bar actually is, you know, for, for some guys who've never really been there, they may think they're setting the bar high, but he was, you know, he was the guy who had to jump over that bar. So he knows from a player's perspective when it's, when it's working and when it's not. And, and I and I love you know his fire and his attitude and and the great thing is there's there's a history with Bobby Hurley and and University of Arizona so it it just it just creates a great narrative for you know and I, I want to say friendly competition because as much as I love you know beating the Sun Devils in basketball and football in, in my mind I always keep it to kind of the the friendly rivalry part not the you know not the you know, yelling stuff at Steve Kerr after his dad died, you know, and, and some of the some of the ugly things that have happened out there. It's like it's a good healthy, you know, thing to be able to kind of go back and forth with our you know, with our cohorts and in uh in Tempe normal. Yeah, I agree. You know, if Bobby could just stay calm and stay in the game and not get thrown out, um, you know, I think it'll be good. Mean, don't don't Mike Stoops it? Yeah, yeah. Stay calm, you know. Mike. Yeah, it's Bobby Hurley, the Mike Stoops of uh, college basketball. I don't know. Speaking of football, yeah. Speaking of football, let's just let's let's hit the Devils first. Oh, do we have to? to We do. So this is this is an interesting season for Todd Graham, right? I mean, they went five and seven last uh, last year. They missed out on a bowl game for the first time in five seasons. So they had a history of bowl games going. Um, they're kind of starting over, right? They've got a new offensive coordinator. 
you know, I, it's just interesting. I just, I'm, I'm curious to see if things totally implode because that's a possibility. Uh, the, the secondary, I believe, is going to be worse than last year. I know some Sun Devil fans will disagree. And, and feel free to, to, to leave us a message, call in, let us know what you think. We're happy to talk about this. But I, I'm concerned for, uh, for ASU. I think people are going to roll points on them. I don't think Arizona is going to have a possession where they don't score against ASU. Wow. And that's Arizona wow. who's picked dead last. That's saying a lot. In the Pac-12. Because I, I just feel like Arizona's going to have a lot of speed, even though they're going to be they're going to play like ten freshmen, but uh, they're going to have a lot of speed, and I don't know if Arizona's secondary is going to be able to catch them. Anyway, what do you think about yeah. Todd Graham, ASU? Where's this thing going? I mean, do they have anything to look forward to? Talk to me. Well, I'm I'm kind of mystified when I look at ASU football because I I can't quite figure out how how it went so wrong because it was so strong for so long. And, you know, you figure you keep on building and you've got, you know, you've got, you know, facilities, you've got, you've got, you know, everything that you need from a recruiting standpoint. And I, I'm, I'm honestly mystified when I see, you know, ASU stumble in football because, you know, there, there was a time that we can remember where, you know, Arizona was, was happy just to stay in a game with ASU and just to see that, you know, that fall. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't even really know what to say as far as where to start on that. Okay. Yeah. And, and maybe we aren't doing uh, Arizona sports justice by not having anything good to say about ASU sports. So we're, we're going to hope that some of our, uh, our listeners will call in and give us some ammo. So we have some good stuff to talk about. Um, you know, the only thing I can think of is maybe maybe they'll have a good – I think they're going to have more of a pro-style offense under their new uh, – under their new – what is it, Billy Napier? Isn't he the uh, the OC now? And he's more of a pro-style. He was the Alabama yeah. coach. And so uh, maybe we'll see some maturity out of the, the Devils in their offense and – I don't know, but defensively, I think it's a big problem, and so uh, I'm not sure what to say. I mean, yeah, Graham. I mean, Graham doesn't know what to say, right? Because <laughs> he's always coordinated the defense, and he just he handed the keys over. He handed keys over to uh, Phil Bennett, who uh, had the yeah. job at Baylor. So he he's not even going to try to handle the defense anymore. It's like he's washing his hands of it and walking away slowly. Like, this is a train wreck. So I, well, I, I wish I had more positive things to say about the Devils. Uh, I don't have a lot of positive things to say about Arizona football, to be honest. But Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm with you there. So I'm, I'm an equal opportunity slammer on that one. But Yeah, um, yeah let's go there. Let's go there. Rich Rod, <laughs> here we go. Well, hey, you know, he's got a lot of – He's got a lot of our kind of guys that uh, decided they weren't his kind of guys. So uh, we've got, oh. you know, we've got a mass defection. And when you look at, um, you know, the the training camp uh, interviews, it's I, I just get worried when you're talking about, you know, 20 freshmen could play this year and, 
you know, we we can't necessarily line up athletically, so we got to use our brains. It's like it's like all of these all of these quotes are the quotes that that if I think if if somebody goes back and actually crunches numbers and, and compares like preseason quotes to quality of season, that, that would actually be an interesting exercise. We should look at doing that with the drawback, which is coming up with an algorithm that looks at the words in in preseason quotes from coaches and compares it to record. I think yeah, if you go back and, and and you look at some of those quotes, I think, I mean, I have now again full disclosure. I'm I'm on the University of Arizona football stack crew and have been for years and years, and so I'm getting assurances from the athletics department that we will have a better season than last year, which actually is not really that much of a consolation because we could still have a better season and still have a bad season. Um, but, Sean, did you slip consolation in there? Are we like—is this astrology? Are we looking at the, <laughs> are we looking at the stars and saying, ah, is JJ Taylor next time a 300-pound lineman lands on him, is he going to survive? Yes or no? <laughs> the answer is always no. <laughs> he's the fastest guy of all time, but he's so yeah. small that he can't survive the season. I mean, JJ Taylor well, single-handedly had Washington, who played for the national championship, right? Or did yeah, they make it that? Yeah. Or they, were, they were in the final four, right? Yeah, Washington. they were in the final four, J.J. Yeah. Taylor had them on the ropes single-handedly. They couldn't catch him until they caught him, and they broke his leg. Like, I'm just concerned about all these little freshman speedy kids playing against meaty Pac-12 linemen. Like, is that, a, well, is that viable? Or is it dangerous? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got um, you know we've got this six-two uh, freshman running back uh, 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 Till. I'm, I'm trying to remember his his full name, uh, Tilton. Or uh, in my mind, I'm always uh, starting to confuse it with Tillman. Um, but he's oh, he's a there. freshman. He, he, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But. Um, they're really high on him. They say he's, you know, he's a six-two kid, and he's more of a Nick Wilson type of uh, type of running back, more of a power guy. And so, yeah. you know, they're looking at, at kind of like a three running back rotation. But again, the, I mean, the, he, we're not going to be able to rely on a r- running game unless we can pass and unless we can block. And right. I mean, it, you know, to your point. You know that whole scenario was kind of like single-handedly on talent, but if you don't have the other pieces in place to give that talent an opportunity, then it's just going to end badly. And so, you know, we've got to we've got to find a way for Dawkins to complete a a, a, a pass to a wide open receiver in the flat without overthrowing <laughs> him by thirty yards. And you know, we've right. got to find a way to to. to if you don't have any kind of passing game, you're not going to have any kind of running game, regardless of what talent you have. <laughs> yeah, especially in a rich rod system, right? You need guys to bite and shift to deal with the, the quick slants and hits that freeze people up so that we can get the running game going. You know, the good thing for Dawkins is he has shown flashes of brilliance. And uh, <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I mean, he's, he's off with his know. legs especially. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and really he can throw sometimes. But what I think is He's good, got a great arm. Yeah, what I think is good is I think it's clear he's the starter. 
you know, so many times Rich Rod's made it a little bit of a circus. Who's the starter? You know, and Anu, he left for Baylor. Um, you know, Khalil Tate, interesting guy, but he had his own injury. Dawkins is going to be – He's not ready. Yeah, yeah Dawkins, Dawkins is the guy. And running, he's the guy. And I think that's good. I think that gives you confidence knowing you've been handed the keys <clears throat> and uh, it's time for you to thrive. So let's see what he can do, right? Yeah, well, and this is, I mean, if if Arizona has a successful, and by a successful I say, you know, bowl-eligible season, it will be a true credit to, um, you know, Rich Rod as far as being able to devise plays and schemes and game plans and the coaches, you know, to um, to trick people, you know, because yep. – we don't we don't have the athletes to just go toe to toe with anybody. Yep. Uh, well, we have the athletes in terms of speed, but not in terms right. of size and strength. We don't. We have to use misdirection. We have to use all the magic tricks that Rich Rod's known for to make it happen. Now, interestingly, let's go to the other side of the ball. We need to also look at Marcel Yates. He'll be in year two defensive coordinator, came from Boise State. He has a more aggressive scheme. I think that's also interesting, and I think it showed promise last year. Because, again, they're Mm -hmm. going to blitz a lot. They're going to disguise blitzes. There's going to be all kinds of speed and misdirection on that side of the ball. And considering our personnel, I think that is the way to go. And the young guys play on that side of the ball, too. Yeah, you're talking about uh, – yeah, they're really high on, on this uh, Tony Fields the second, who, you know, it, the good thing is he's been on campus for a while. So, you know, he's been able yeah. to really learn the mental part of it. And, and I, like, I like, you know, his body language and the way he talks about things. And he's saying, he's saying yeah, you know, people are looking to me to tell them what they need to do. And, you know, the, the kid's a freshman, and, you know, he's – He's in a key, you know, linebacker position there. And, I mean, the bottom line is if, if, if we can stop people, we've got a chance, even if the offense isn't necessarily, you know, firing in all cylinders. And, and I'm reminded of this week that it was announced the, the 2017, you know, Pima Sports uh, Hall of Fame inductees. And yeah. Dick Tomey is one of, one of the inductees. And, and I've always been a Dick Tomey supporter. And, you know, I've just got to say, like for all the people who for years have, have just complained about Dick Tomey and it's boring, and, hey, man, if we could get anything back on the defensive side where we were in a position to kick a field goal to win, you know, to win like a 6-3 to three game or something like that, I'll take that over, you know, run and gun. <laughs> always losing, you know, 45 to 38 or something like that in the last minute because we can't stop anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I I do love a high-scoring, high-octane offense, lots of speed, but when there's a lack of discipline and a lack of a plan on defense, you kind of know you're going to lose. And so I agree with you there. you got to have – it starts with defense. So so we're coming up on on the hour. So we we keep our – we keep our shows to an hour. We could keep going with U of A if we've got more to say, or there's a lot to talk about with the way the D-backs are playing and with the Cardinals. So where do you want to go, Sean? 
Let's talk a little bit about the D-backs. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, happy, I'm happy that I'm still interested in baseball after the All-Star break. I agree, and let's give props to the D-backs. An amazing season. I mean, the Dodgers are, have gone nuclear, but the D-backs are playing great <sighs> baseball. And yeah, and of course, you know, they, they have the – yeah, their new manager, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, their new manager, it's just the body language, the way they're going about things, the decision-making. Uh, they just – they have a way about them. Like, they, there are many games that you would have lost on bad decisions or poor attitudes. They're winning all of those games. And so I just like the, yeah. the way they're going about their business. Well, and, you know, and so much of it is chemistry and kind of mental attitude and, and things like that. And, and you know, I, I worked in the Toros, uh, the Tucson Toros organization for years and years. And it was, it, it is interesting to watch the dynamics of a baseball season and just how much, how much of a mental and emotional grind it can be for the players. Because, you know, you really have to, you have to be able to keep your eyes on the kind of long-term goal and not let one or two, or even, you know, it's such a long season. If you go on like a six game losing streak, you have to be able to have enough confidence in the other guys in the clubhouse that you're going to turn it around. Otherwise people just stop trying. And, you know, it it would be, it would be, you know, it would be easier to uh, maybe let off the throttle a little bit when you look in the, you know, the standings every day and see your 17 games back, but you kind of have to chalk it up to the fact that the Dodgers are having like the season, literally a historic season, the likes of which, you know, we've possibly never seen, but you know, when it comes to the playoffs, the Dodgers are still going to have to win the series um, just like everybody else. And, you know, if you're the D backs, it's, if you, and you look at the standings, it's like, it's, I, I think of the old adage of, um, you know, a lawyer and his friend are out in the are out in the jungle, and and a lion kind of corners them, and the the lawyer sits down and and takes off his safari shoes and starts putting on his track shoes, and his friend says, you know, what are you doing? We we can't outrun a lion, and the lawyer says, well, I don't have to outrun the lion, I just have to outrun you. <laughs> yep. And yeah. And, and the, the the parallel there is. All the Diamondbacks have to do really is beat Colorado. They don't have to yep. beat LA. But we don't we don't have to outrun the Lions. We just have to outrun the Rockies. Right, and it's just a one game. I mean, there's one game separating them right now. Yeah, but and then you you look at near term like okay, we've got games with the Cubs who are leading the division um, there, and then we've got games with the Astros uh, who I had to I did. My my beloved Astros that I, I'm still bitter that they went over to the American League and I had to lose them as a team. Um, but you know you've got you've got some upcoming series against some well you know current and upcoming series that are going to really test you know absolutely test your and, and then and then you've got a, you know you got. And you got a home series with Colorado coming up in September here, which is going to be really interesting. <laughs> Yep. Yep. And you come into September and you're, you know, a couple games apart. That's essentially a playoff game at that point or playoff. Exactly. And so exactly thing about baseball for me, sometimes I have a hard time getting into every individual game, but the great thing about baseball is, and when games really matter, when you got to win or lose baseball becomes very exciting, very interesting. 
you hang on every pitch and every play. And that series in September between the uh, Rockies and the D-backs is going to be that. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, I plan on I plan on being there. So uh, maybe uh, maybe we'll, nice. we'll line up a a little D-backs yeah. excursion out there. That sounds good. I think we need to go. So we're we're coming we're wrapping up. This is the inaugural episode. This is the the tip off. This is the face off. This is the starting gun of uh, Desert League. And uh, I think Sean. Uh, I mean, it was an experiment for us, but uh, I think it it played out pretty well. I had a great time. Yeah, it was it was fun. And, and you know what? I I don't I don't mind that. You know, we we spent the first ten or fifteen minutes having a design discussion. I think I think those are the people that we want to attract to this. You know, to this type of a conversation, is people who aren't just about the numbers, but you know, are interested in other parts of the game as well. Yep, absolutely. Well, so we're we're using Anchor. It's an app we we're using, and so uh, Anchor FM, and then Desert League. That's the URL. If you use Anchor, uh, we're also going to figure out how to publish this as a podcast and. Uh, I'm sure in future episodes we'll be more dialed in and uh, we'll let everybody know. But uh, for the first episode, the inaugural episode of Desert League, uh, I'm Ward Andrews and Sean Fitzpatrick is here. And what's your closing take, closing remarks, Sean? Um, I, I'd say let's, uh, let's just enjoy what we have left of the monsoon. And uh, let's let's hope for at least an entertaining uh, start to the football season because uh, it, it could make for a long fall on both sides, ASU and University of Arizona, if if it's as bad as some people fear. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. Let, let's get through the first week with some wins, and then we'll talk about it. So, all right, exactly. We're shutting it down. All right, Thanks, thanks work. Until next time, bye. 